0: Chapter 10 Let's read just a few verses together and then we'll be seated. Luke chapter number 10 this morning. I want to look at this familiar parable with you. We'll just read the first few verses leading up to it if you don't mind. Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. Luke 10, verse 25. The Bible says this, "...and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? <clears throat> I can see how a lawyer would be tempting the Lord Jesus Christ." Verse 26 says, And he said unto him, What is written in the law, how readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And of course, there's a question mark. The next parable is the answer to that question Who is my neighbor? Verses number 30 through 37. I want to look at the Good Samaritan for just a little bit this morning. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And again, we ask for your blessing on it now. Would you again speak to our hearts through it? Draw us closer to you. Lord, thank you again that we can sing about you. And thank you again for sending your son Jesus to die for us. Lord, if there's someone in the service this morning not sure of heaven, Lord, draw them to yourself, and Lord, may they be saved. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Thank you again for being here this morning. Church, I want you to think about the story here this morning. Um, again, uh, this Christmas season makes, takes us a lot of different places this morning. I want to look up the Good Samaritan. Jesus Christ is the Good Samaritan, amen? Aren't you glad that he came to this earth and died for you? Amen. Can you remember when you got saved? Do you remember where you were at? Do you remember what took place, how the Lord drew you to himself? Aren't you glad that you're saved? You're not saved because you go to church or because you grew into it. You're saved because there was a definite time and place that the Lord drew you to himself and you accepted that call. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was in the McDonald's this morning and another fellow, he's homeless, another fellow was there this morning. He looks just like Santa Claus, if there was one. Sorry to ruin that for some of you. But he looks just like Santa Claus, had a white beard, his name's Richard. And I said, Richard, how are you doing this morning? And we talked for just a little bit. I said, Richard, are you a believer? Have you put your faith in Christ? And he said, No, I'm Buddhist. I said, Well, Richard, I want to just tell you, Jesus died for you and he loves you. And we had a chance to talk for a few minutes, got a little breakfast. But I want to tell you, there's people like that all over that you come in contact with that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't come up with a better time to witness than during the Christmas season. All righty? Most people expect it, they really do. And so may we as Christians again tell people about the Lord. This morning I want you to think about the story now as we have already prayed. I want you to think about the Good Samaritan and the story that's about to take place. Jesus is talking to a lawyer. This type of lawyer is not the kind of lawyer I'm talking about. I don't have really good thoughts about lawyers at this present time in my life. But I do will say this is not the same kind of lawyer. All right? This type of lawyer was a person who wrote the law. He was called a lawyer. He's a person who just basically copied the scriptures, and he came to Jesus with this very uh, spiritual and pious question. And he says, "Hey, listen, what's the greatest commandment?" And of course, uh, Jesus answering that question says, "Hey, listen, uh, as far as to inherit the kingdom of God, he says the answer to that question is is you need to love the Lord thy God." Now, the lawyer is the one saying it, "Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind." And then, of course, he makes the statement uh, next to it, "And thy neighbor as thyself." Now, Jesus told us those are the two greatest commandments: love God, love your neighbor. Then the Bible says the lawyer is about to justify himself as far as his question. And you can almost see there's a group of people here as Jesus is talking to this fella, And he asks this question, and who is my neighbor? That in response to the answer of loving God, loving your neighbor, who's my neighbor? Jesus answers that question with this parable. Now, most of you know the parable. I want you to look how it ends, if you don't mind. Look at verse number 36. Verse 36, the end of the parable, Jesus said, which now of these three... Thinkest thou was, what's the word? Neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. And he said, he that showed mercy unto him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. So Jesus is specifically answering the question, who is my neighbor? Now, church family, I'm starting there this morning because that's not what I want to preach on this morning. This idea of who is our neighbor, it's everybody that's in need and everybody's in need. Can I say that again? Who is your neighbor? If the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind in the second Greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? That's a good question. What the lawyer was asking Jesus, though he was using it to justify himself, Jesus answers that question to remind us every person is our neighbor because every person's in need. Just remember when they were going down that road from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and they came across this fellow that's half dead without clothes and was robbed and left for dead. that seemingly to us, well, that's the homeless person. Yeah, he's in need. That means he's our neighbor. But church family, every person is our neighbor because every person is in need. Some people just don't know they're in need. Every person, first of all, is in need of a savior. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, you're gonna live your 70, 80 years upon this earth, and then you're gonna go to a Christless eternity without the Lord, and you're gonna end up in a place called the Lake of Fire. And that is not a Baptist statement. That is a Bible statement. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 14. The Bible says in death and hell we're cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. We understand from the scripture that without Christ, we can't get to heaven. Amen. Hey, putting a suit on is not gonna get you to heaven. Amen. Living a good Christian life is not gonna get you to heaven. The only thing that gets you to heaven is Jesus. Now I know that we're on the same page this morning concerning that, but can I just tell you there's a lot of people that are in definite need and I wanna tell you what the need is. They're without the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There are other people that are in need. Church family, there are people who are saved They're not growing as a Christian. When they got saved, their name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They have a home in heaven that the Lord has prepared for them. And they, again, uh, have spiritual gifts that God's given them. But they're not being edified. They're not using their gifts to edify others. They're not being the Christian influence. They they need us. And so God says, hey, listen, I want you to go and do thou likewise. I want you to take care of. It's interesting that that phrase is mentioned twice in your Bible. Would you look at it again? I know we're jumping around. Lord permitting, we'll read the whole story. But look at verse number uh, 34 the good Samaritan and he went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him in verse 35 the phrase is mentioned again and on the morrow when he departed he took up two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him take care of him Just minute, do you do we really care about people can I tell you that Jesus cared about you he's the good Samaritan hey did you know that you're saved because Jesus came to you Do you know that you're saved because Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, drew you? I want to tell you, it's not an accident. Many of you this morning are church members and many of you that are visiting. You've, again, displayed or shown or said your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful this morning that you're saved this morning. But the truth of the matter is, he said, go and do thou likewise. Are you with me this morning? Who's the good Samaritan in the picture here? Who's the good Samaritan? Jesus. Jesus Christ. I'll ask the question again now that you have the answer. Who's the good Samaritan in the story? It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. What Jesus was saying, what I've done for you, go and do for somebody else. Trust me, all of us have people that we come in contact with and God wants us to take care for them. You know, we're talking about in our Sunday school lessons, this idea of love. And of course, we just finished the fruit of the spirit in the very first one. The fruit of the spirit is love. And I can't get out of my mind that the definition for love is a divine concern for others, divine being God, a God concern for others. Church, I mean, we have that kind of concern when it comes to our husband, our wife, our children. But what, do we really have that divine concern for others when it comes to other people? Well, they've got people to take care of them. No, wait a second here. Every man's your neighbor. So God's saying here, he say, listen, I want you to have what I had in the story. Again, we picture the story this morning. In the story, we have this man that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and the idea is, is that maybe he was coming back from worshiping the Lord. He's coming back from the temple. He's, he's on his way. on this particular road, and as he'd come down this road, maybe it was a road where there was nobody. Maybe it was that time of day where it was just him, but there were obviously thieves, plural. And these thieves came, and the Bible says that they took him, and they left him for dead. They They beat him. The Bible says they took his clothes from him. Whatever baggage or things that he would have had, they they stole those things. The Bible says they left him for half dead. The Bible continues to tell us that two people are gonna come along. First one being a priest, the second being a Levite. The priest comes along and the Bible says that when he saw him, he went basically around, he went around him and did not come to him, did not try to help him. The Bible says the same thing happened with the Levite. But then the Bible says a good Samaritan came. We call him the good Samaritan. He's in the scripture called the Samaritan. But the Samaritan comes, and again, it's, there's a reason why he's called a Samaritan. A Samaritan was a half-breed. A Samaritan was really half-Gentile, half-Jew. It was those that had came back to Samaria, and uh, again from uh, Assyria, and they had married Jews that were there in Samaria, and they were called Samaritans That. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. They, there was a racial thing there, if you would like to say it that way. But the Samaritan comes, and we look like the story, as Jesus is telling the story to the lawyer and those around him, that that was probably a Jew laying there because he's talking to Jews. Samaritan came and helped him. Again, many action words in there that talk about what compassion does, not just what compassion says. Churchman, I want you now to read the story with me. Hopefully you have the picture in your mind As we read this short parable in verse number 30, Jesus says this in verse 30. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou thou likewise. Church family, if we were going at the literal sense of the story, we understand that a parable is what we would call an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It was Jesus telling something they could relate to, to be able to teach a spiritual principle. All right. If you're with me so far, would you say amen? Amen. I want to make sure you're with me this morning. I want you to think about what Jesus is doing here in the parable, in the literal sense of the parable. Sure, so, I mean, there are different people in the parable, and I think most of you know wh- who they represent. We understand that when Jesus said that these man that was left for dead, this certain man, it's a picture of mankind, it's a picture of us. We also understand when the Bible says that there were thieves that came and stole all that he le- had and left him for half dead, we understand that to be Satan. The reason we understand that to be Satan is because of John chapter 10 and verse number 8, 9, and 10 when Jesus is talking about the sheep and how the sheep hear his voice and how the thieves come to kill and destroy. Who is the thief? The thief is Satan himself. So, I mean, We understand the, the picture that we have here is that the person lying half dead is you and I before we got saved because the Bible says that we are dead in sin. Amen. We also understand that the person that's laying there half dead is a picture of a person who's lost because of the verse we quoted earlier of Revelation 20, verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the, not the first, second death, half dead. We understand that without Christ, we are already half dead and that if a person dies without Christ, then they become all dead. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? We also understand the picture of the thief, of course, being Satan. We also understand that the picture of the priest and the Levite, what is that picturing when Jesus is talking to these Jews? Well, the priest and the Levite, what were they? The priest and the Levite were the people who were down at the temple, and they were the ones that were administering the law and telling them what the law said that they were supposed to follow as Jews. Are you with me so far? We understand that a half-dead person, a person who's alive physically but dead spiritually, cannot be saved by the law. Are we understandable? Understand that. We understand that for by grace are you saved through what? Faith. Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. I know sometimes the church gets uh, blamed for being legalist, okay? And I want to tell you where people get that from. Whenever you want to preach holiness, then all of a sudden you're a legalist. Now, church, let me remind you what the true definition of legalism is. Legalism is saying that you have to do something in order to be saved. That's legalism. Church family, aren't you glad you had to do anything to be saved? Jesus did it all. Yes. He paid it all. But when a person wants to talk about holiness and clean living and righteousness, then all of a sudden that's legalism. Church family, I, mean, I want to tell you something. God wants you to live a holy life unto Him. Yes. Be holy for? Okay, that's what the scripture says. Now follow me for just a moment here. Again, the true picture of this particular passage is the person that's half dead, that's the person who's lost. <clears throat> the thief that's come, that's Satan. The the, uh, priest and the Levite, that's a picture of trying to get to heaven through works and, and through obeying the law, the good Samaritan. Picture of Jesus Christ. How Jesus had compassion on us and showed mercy upon us. Jesus didn't have to come to this earth. He was living in heaven on a throne of glory next to God the Father, and yet Jesus came in the form of man. Why? Because he had compassion on mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus loved us. So God sent his son Jesus, and Jesus, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, came to where we are, who was half dead in our sins, had compassion on us. Would you look at your Bible again at that one verse, in verse number 34, what did the good Samaritan do? Of course, he came to him, verse 34, and went to him and bound him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, And set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. Now, I I don't think a parable has to have an answer for every statement inside the parable. And sometimes I think people produce false doctrine by trying to make everything represent something. Jesus was using a story that people could relate to. But I think there's several things in the story that we can also say about oil and wine. Picture the Holy Spirit. You talk about how he bound up his wounds. We're wounded in sin and how God... His forgiveness and his pardon cleanses us from all unrighteousness. A picture of Jesus and what he does for us and how he saved us. It's interesting in verse 34, 35 how he came to the end and gave him two pence. And of course in the scripture, a pence was a day's wage. And how Jesus paid the price for our sin so that we could live. But church, I, mean, I want you to think for just a few moments this morning about the story here. And I think that's a true interpretation, but I want to just make some application this morning, if you don't mind, as we look at this particular story of the Good Samaritan. I feel like there's three main thoughts that are in this particular story, and some of them overlap with interpretation, but I want to just mention them to you again this morning. Trust me, when you look at the story, there's three things I want you to notice. I want you to notice the man, I want you to notice the priest and the Levite, and I want you to notice the Samaritan. I want you to notice what Jesus is trying to teach These that are around him, the lawyer and these others that are listening, is Jesus is trying to teach the principle, really, of salvation on how we're saved. And I think that's the literal part of this. But I want you to notice the first of all is the condition of the man. I want you to notice in verse number 30 what took place again. In verse number 30, it says, And Jesus answering, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Church family, the condition of the man is definitely the picture of a lost person, a person who's without the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when he, that he fell, as as it's mentioned here, fell among thieves. Church family, what does Romans chapter 5, verse number 12 say? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Who was the first man to fall? Adam was. Church family, that picture, the condition of that man is a picture of you and I. There was a fall. What was the fall? The fall of man when he sinned in the garden. And then there's been sin ever since in our lives. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. That was Adam. And death by sin. When he sinned, God says, okay, now you're out of the garden. Now you're going to begin to die. Now, what's the condition of all mankind that are around us? Church family, every person is going to die one day. And it's the importance of getting the gospel to people is whether or not they'll live again with God. We understand that there's an eternity, but sometimes we fail to understand the eternity for others is a lake of fire while the eternity for us is eternity in heaven, of course, with God on this earth as well. We understand, but do we think about the condition of man, stripped and wounded and half dead, lost in sin. They cannot care for themselves. Ephesians 2 verse number 1 says, And you hath he quickened. Talking about those who are saved. The word quickened means alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, even when we, when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Listen, if you're saved as a young person, I made a profession when I was 5, got saved when I was 11, understood it. There are others of you here that got saved later in life, and you look back at your life, and you're so much more thankful seemingly of what God has done for you. And church, I mean, we're all the same. We're all that person that's on that road between Jericho and Jerusalem. We are all that person that is left half dead. It doesn't matter if you get saved at your five or 25. Can I just remind all of us that that's the condition we were in. Ephesians makes it very clear, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses. Why were we dead in trespasses? Because of sin that started in the garden and has passed down from generation to generation. The condition of man is that of sin. You know, isn't it amazing? We do everything to make this outside look pretty. People go to tanning salons and they go to the gym to work out and they get all kinds of fancy colognes and makeups and we do everything we can to try to decorate this shell. But this shell is rotten. This shell is a sin-cursed shell. That's the condition that we're in we'd like to look at everything pretty and everything's beautiful and everything's nice it's not pretty it's not beautiful it's not nice it's sin and that's the condition we're in church family I know that even in our saved condition there's sin but may we not forget that there's a large group of people outside these walls that do not know Christ as their Savior and they're laying half dead They are one step away from going to a Christless eternity and be forever separated from God. While we get to enjoy the streets of gold and the pleasure of being with the Lord forever, there are people who don't know Christ. When Jesus said, go and do thou likewise, he was saying, you should be the good Samaritan. Taking an interest in people who do not know Christ as their Savior. So the condition of man is one of lost, one who's not Saved. I want you to see, second of all, not only the condition of of this man, but I want you to see, second of all, the complacency of the priest and Levite. It's interesting how both these, very similar, walked right around the man. Look back at your Bible in verse number 31. The Bible says this, and by chance there came down a certain priest that that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, church, I know and you know that this really is a picture when he's talking to these Jews that are around him, Jesus is trying to say, hey, the priest and Levi couldn't help him anyway because it's not the law that saves. But just, I mean, really, the application, I think, is even more clear because of the word mercy and the word compassion is that they should have done something. Amen. Have you noticed that, and I think it's been more so since COVID, but have you noticed that people do not want to talk to people? I'm talking about just in our daily lives. I think sometimes that carries over to churches. If you're not careful, that that should never happen. Church, let me look at me this morning. You ought to talk to people. And don't use the excuse, I'm not built that way. You're a Christian. You've got the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. You don't have to be built that way to say hello or good morning or how are you today. That's what Christians do. Can I tell you that in our society today, just try it. Go to the grocery store and try to look people in the eye. If you pass somebody and try to look in the eye, I guarantee you, you won't get past two or three people. And this is what's going to happen. When you look them in the eye, they're going to go. They're going to get busy with their phone. They're going to act like they're looking at something on the shelf. People do not like to make contact with people anymore. Now, can I just tell you that there are a bunch of people that are half dead. We have to make contact with people. Are you with me this morning? We have to make contact with people. Church for me, this is a Sunday morning message, and I'll definitely hurry things along, but I want to talk to you for just a moment here. I want you to think, we're coming up on a new year. I think you should make New Year's resolutions. I know that most people do not. Uh, Less than 50% of people in the United States make a New Year's resolution, and less than 8% of people keep them. And I think the reason people do not make New Year's resolutions is because 8% only keep them, that people get discouraged with, well, I'm not going to keep them anyway, so why why should I strive for something? Now, I want to tell you something. You strive for nothing, you'll head every time. But if you strive for something, you're going to at least make a partial effort to be able to hit that goal, which is going to be farther than what if you would not have made it at all. Now, Lord permitting, we'll have messages on New Year's resolutions, and that's not the thought this morning. Follow me this morning, church family. I feel like that the Heritage Baptist Church has done less now than we ever have before in comparison to what we've done in the past. Now, God says it's not wise to look backward. It's only wise to look forward. And we're about to start a new year, and I want you to start contemplating right now, what are you going to do this year more than what you're doing right now? I want to tell you something. COVID kicked us out of the prison. There was at least 12 to 15 people or more people than that that went to the prison on a regular basis or, uh, that, that were able to minister. When you knock that out and you don't replace that with something, can I just tell you that hurts you spiritually, can, can I tell you that our door-to-door soul winning has decreased because we went through a period of COVID there where you couldn't even knock on a door unless a person looked at you and wondered, what are you doing at my door? You might be spreading COVID to me. Now, this morning's message is really for us to get to think, what did the Good Samaritan do? He went to him. What did the Good Samaritan do? He, he, he gave to him. He brought him. He spent money on him. Listen to me, church family. I want to tell you something. There's a lot, you, you might be a good person, but can I tell you something? Good people is not the same as what Christian people there are a lot of good people who are lost but you know what Christian people do Christian people think about the eternity of life what am i doing that Christ is pleased with and what am i doing to help someone get saved Amen. Now we're about to start a new year and I want to tell you I want you to start thinking about what you're going to do in the new year and there are going to be there are going to be opportunities that you're going to have to be able to choose from as far as where to get involved church made discipleship there are th- there are several people sitting in the auditorium right now they need somebody For you to sit down and just walk through a Bible study with them, it helps you, it helps them. You meet one day a week, you spend 30 minutes together, you you make a friendship with somebody, iron sharpens iron. You both get to study the word of God and it helps you and it helps them. Somebody needs to do that. Anybody can go to McDonald's and spend 30 minutes together. There are some of you in here that you've stopped your soul winning completely. I want to tell you something. I don't think everybody, I don't think you should have to feel, now this is me speaking, I don't feel like you have to feel under conviction because you don't come out to a church soul winning, but you should definitely feel under conviction if you don't tell anybody about the Jesus Christ. Amen. You're saved. If, if soul winning's is hard for you, there'll be opportunity for visitation. An opportunity when a person visits this church that you can go represent the church you're going to take them a present to them and say thank you for coming to our church, answer any questions. You can do that. There's opportunities that are going to be happening when it comes to the building and and grounds and this church building and, and as well as the other churches that we've planted as far as being able to build. The upstairs needs to be finished. And I want to tell you something, it takes skilled people that know drywall, electrical, painting. Can I just tell you, everybody needs to be involved somewhere, somehow. Why? Because that's what Samaritans do. We're the person that was half dead that Jesus Christ saved and he wants to go, us to be able to minister to others in the same fashion. Amen. Church I mean, we have bus routes and we don't have the college, this will be the last year that I'm going I think that I'll have most of my college students around. I got four or five left that are trying to finish up. Church I mean, we are back to where it should have been all along. This is a church. Amen. Church people do church ministries. Amen. Somebody got up this morning, got on a bus to drive a bus when it was cold. Somebody went out yesterday and knocked on a door to find out if children were able to come to Sunday school and if a parent answers the door, they have the opportunity to say, thank you for letting your kids come. Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? There's opportunities to be involved. Brother Michael Price, where are you at? Is he in here? How many nursing homes are you doing right now? He's the only one leading that up. Somebody could take time out of their schedule to go to a nursing home for a 30-minute service to help the half-dead person that doesn't know Christ as their Savior and to still be a blessing. And what pure religion is, is to visit the fatherless and widow in their affliction. That's pure religion, by the way. Now, I want to tell you something. The good Samaritan, go and do that. Likewise, you have got to get your mind, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to tell you, if this church comes to the place where all we do is come sit in here, it will shrink and God will take his hand off this church because he can go start another church where there's Christians that are going to do something. Amen. The Good Samaritan. Some of you are saying to your pastor, well, you know, I'm, I'm insignificant. I'm not versed in my Bible. Church, I mean, You're saved. The good Samaritan did not, as he came to that, yeah, I have dead, He didn't think to himself, well, I'm not like the priest. I can't help him. The priest could help him a whole lot better than I can. He didn't think, well, I'm not like the Levite. The Levite, he he serves down at the church. He surely can do better than I can. He was just a Samaritan. And God uses his earthly story to remind all of us that every person is our neighbor. Listen, you that have young children, I'm going to tell you something. You better train them now. You better train your children now that when they come to a church service, they're just go shake hands with everybody. You better train your children now that when a bus kid comes and their parents aren't allowed to come with them, that you go sit with them and you, you have your Bible in hand and you pay attention during the service and you try to help, help them. This isn't just about you. There's, I want to tell you something that's important. If you've got kids, as they get older, is put them on a bus route. Let them go to those bus kids' home and see how much how God's blessed them in comparison and how God can use them to be a blessing as well as get the gospel to people. What is that doing? It's being a good Samaritan. Just me, there's enough religious folk out there. Maybe some of those religious folks are saved so as by fire and they're saved and they're on their way to heaven, but they're not doing anything for the cause of Christ. This is not a guilt trip tonight. this morning. This is the story of the good Samaritan that two people were complacent about a person that was in need and they just walked right on by them. I was talking to Rhodey this morning. He's my, I'm trying to get him to come to one of, my, one of the uh, services here. And uh, so, anyway, so Roddy and I were sitting out. Right, so I I've got him breakfast this morning. So anyway, I was talking to Roddy, and Roddy he's uh, he's bald and thin, and he's weird, and he's homeless, and but I was sitting there talking. I mean, there's three these three Walter you guys. One of them is a computer programmer because they always come in on Sunday morning, so I know a little bit about them. But uh, <laughs> when I started talking, Roddy sat down and I started talking to him. Their their conversation hushed. And I know, in my mind, I think, they're thinking, what do you have anything to do with him for? There's another fellow this morning that was sitting in a corner. I don't really know him. He was a black fellow. His head was on the table, and he was homeless. But uh, I asked Roddy. I said, "Roddy, who is that guy? I have no idea who he is. There's people that you work with. They're not homeless, but they're without Christ. There's people that you're going to pass and they seemingly don't want to have anything to do with you. And if you're not careful, you're going to put a shell up. Well, if they're going to act that way toward me, then I, then I, don't, have to, I don't have to act toward them. But can I tell you something? They don't know any better. You know where you're going when you die. Amen. You have a Holy Spirit inside of you. They don't have that. Do not become complacent about people. And it's not just the half-dead fella. It's the saved fella. Do not become complacent about what's going on in their life. Church, I mean, people are important. God's people are important, especially unto him who are the household of faith. Church, I, mean, I, don't, I won't take time. To, I'm not trying to embarrass you this morning, but there's some of you in here, there are people inside this auditorium, you don't even know who they are. You don't, have, you don't have the foggiest idea what their name is. What, what happens to us as Christians, we become complacent because it's not a big deal or my life is, we don't say it, my life's what's most important. No, Christ is what's most important and the Bible says Christ is our life. I've said it a thousand times and I, I believe it all my heart. I don't come to church for people to shake my hand. I know I'm the pastor, so it's a little different. But I don't come to church for somebody to shake my hand and I'm not going to go home thinking to myself, well how come somebody didn't talk to me? Let me answer your question. The reason nobody talked to you because you don't talk to anybody. Amen. And we want to throw this pity party because nobody talks to us. Church, I mean, we all ought to be talking. Amen. Taking notes? Come here. Come on. She's taking notes. She's not, she's not in trouble. You take a lot of notes. You, take, you copy all the messages? Good job. Very good. You should preach the next service. <laughs> Very good. I didn't, I didn't want your notes. I want you to stand up for a second. Church, I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass you. And I want you to be honest because you're in church and God will kill you if you lie. (laughs) How many know what her name is? If you think you know what her name is, raise your hand up high. If you think you know what her name is. All right, put your hands down. That's what I'm talking about. Brother and Sister Miller, Sienna, Zoe, where's Katie? Katie and Owen. Where's Owen at? over there hey I wanted to tell you something church I mean we're all guilty because she's not my age she can't she she's in she has parents that she has to be with on other other service times she can't be here every time but you know what Samaritans do they go to them I appreciate your help thanks for letting me embarrass you Condition of the man, complacency of the Levite and the priest. And last of all, we see the compassion of the good Samaritan. Compassion is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ cared about you and I and he saved us. And God wants us to have that same care and compassion for others. And that's the picture of the good Samaritan as it was Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, I mean, there are several action words that are, words that are mentioned in verse 34. I'll just say them to you. It's the word went, the word bound, the word poor, the word set, the word brought, the word care. All of these action words show that compassion is not just said, it's done. That's what compassion is. Church, all of us should ask the Lord, Lord, would you please help me to have more compassion? Would you show me how to show that compassion to others? Church, it's not really buying a breakfast sandwich for somebody. I mean, okay, so he gave two pence to be able to take care of a man. I guess maybe a breakfast sandwich would be helpful. You know, Jesus, what he did for you is what he, what he wants you to do for others. You're undeserving. You deserve to die and go to hell. But he came to you, drew you to himself, saved you, and on a daily basis, helps you, talks to you, takes care of you, watches over you, directs you, protects you. You know what God wants us to do? He just wants us to be concerned for others. That's it. You know, I'm very careful about what I say here, but, you know, recently I had somebody tell me that a person who used to come to this church and I hear because somebody forgot them and didn't think of them. And you know, truthfully, church family, those things happen. Any way you look at it, those things happen. You know, hindsight's twenty-twenty. You wish you could do things differently sometimes. Mrs. Flowers is she in here? Is she in primary church? Brother Mrs. Flowers had to correct me later if I'm wrong on this, but. Jamie went to college, and um, I don't know if at all the story falls out quite like I'm telling. I I think so, as far as I remember. But, you know, Jamie went to college, and when she went to college, not everybody wrote her or thought about her. I don't know what that did for Mrs. Flowers, and maybe it hurt her a little bit. Her daughter, you know, went away for college for four years. Is Jamie in here? Was it four years? You were there for four years, Hal Anderson. But I will tell you this, and maybe it's Brother Flowers too, but Mrs. Flowers does not forget people. Sometimes I think we have to go through that hurt sometimes to remind us. But my kids have gone to college, and she doesn't just do it for my kids. She's done it for others. She makes care packages like they're out of this world. Before my kids leave for college, her and Brother Flowers will go to the store and buy them laundry detergent and things of that sort, things that I just never really thought about, but Mrs. Flowers thinks about. Now, I want to tell you something. There are people that get forgotten, whether they're saved or whether they're lost. And I want to tell you why it happens, because we're not going and doing thou Likewise. What did the good Samaritan do? He didn't do what the Levite and what the priest did. He went to them and he gave of himself for that person. Yes, now some of you are thinking, you know, does it really, really matter? It matters because that's what Jesus told us to do. Amen. It matters. Hey, we're starting about to start a New Year church family and I love you. But you have got to, you have got to ask the Lord, what does he want you to do? Amen. Hey, my experience is that people who come and sit after a period of time, they start to find fault. My experience is, is that people who do rarely find fault. Amen. Now, I'm not telling you you will or you won't. I'm just saying we're supposed to be the Samaritan and there's people who need you. And some of you right now are saying, Pastor, that's me, I'm ready. What, what should I do, Okay. The Lord will show you, I promise you. Or we'll come up on New Year, there's going to be several new ministries that a person can get involved in. I'm going to give you a list of those ministries. I'm going to show you who's in charge of those ministries that you can go talk to, that you can be involved in. All I want you to do is pray. What do you want me to do? You know why? That's what good Samaritans do. A bunch of people have dead out there that are lost without Christ. There's a bunch of people who are saved out there that just need a little bit of Christ. May we remember The condition of man, it's lost. The complacency of the priest and Levite, religious but not right. And then the compassion of the Samaritan, go and do thou likewise. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning?